name. Thank you for the victory we have in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, I say hallelujah. Are you alive this evening? Somebody said the ministry of reconciliation. Oh, say like you mean the ministry of reconciliation. Today, we want to talk about the ministry of reconciliation. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter number five, verse number. Corinthians chapter number five, verse number eleven through to chapter six, verse two. Is that okay? So we are reading from Second Corinthians chapter eleven to twenty-one, and we continue from chapter six, verse one through to two. Since then, we know that it is to fear the Lord. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others what we are, are is plain to God. And I hope it is plain to your conscience. We are, trying to commend, we are not trying to commend ourselves to you again. But we are trying to give you an opportunity to pride in us. Amen. So that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are, out, if we are in our right mind, it is for you. For God's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. I'm in Second Corinthians chapter number 5, and I am now in verse 15. And he died for all, that those who, who live will, will, should no longer live for themselves, but him who died for them and rose again. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all in Christ, that he is a new creation, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. Verse number 18. Now all things are of God. Who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. Verse 19. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ as though God were pleading through us. We employ you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. For he, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Chapter 6. We then are workers together with him. 
We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Here ends the reading of his holy word. What does it mean when, go to verse 18 and 19 again, he says that, now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. All things, the Bible says, all things are of God, who has reconciled us. The word reconcile means to be, to be brought back again after being on opposite sides. I don't know whether you understand what reconciliation, as if two parties are fighting. They are fighting over something, and then somebody comes and brings them together. And all the animosity and the fight and everything is forgotten, forgiven, and they are brought together. The story that comes into mind is um, South Africa, when after the apartheid, they decided to have reconciliation. In fact, uh, Nelson Mandela organized this truth commission. And everybody was to tell their truth, how they were punished, how they were beaten, how they were imprisoned. And the whole idea of the truth commission was to bring both parties, that's the oppressed and the oppressor together in one room so that all can be forgotten and forgiven. Amen. So when I say reconciliation, it means we're fighting each other, we're at loggerheads, we're in two opposing camps, and now we are being brought together. Amen. And the Bible is saying that God reconciled us through Christ to himself. And now he has given you and I the ministry of reconciling others. Amen. In case you think I was thinking, uh, uh, preaching another subject, it's still others. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you with me? So, why were we on opposite camps? By the disobedience of one man, Bible says, sin entered into the world. Amen. By the disobedience of Adam and Eve, sin entered into the world. And we became enemies because when we sinned, we became one with the devil. Amen. And we know that there was war in heaven. So I'm just trying to give you the, the, the background to the reconciliation. In Revelation, if you go to Revelation 9, is it 9-11? It says that there was war in heaven. And Michael and his angels fought the devil. No, uh, it's 12-9. 12-9. Go to 8. Let's start from 8. 7, 7. Bible says there was war in heaven. War broke out in heaven. And Michael and his angels fought the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. Amen. But they could not prevail. So they were cast there was no place found for them in heaven any longer. 
and verse 9 says, so the great dragon of God was cast, that old serpent. Remember serpent? It's a serpent that came into the garden to talk to Eve. Remember? That old serpent, the devil, Satan, who deceived the world, he was cast on earth. His angels cast out with him. Amen. So this is what happened. They are cast out. They come to the earth and they meet Adam and Eve. And they decide to deceive Adam and Eve into disobeying God. And as soon as that happens, they become one with the devil. And if they are, they are at war, heaven is at war with, with the devil, it means that we are now enemies of God. Am I making sense? I'm trying to, I know you know what I'm saying, but I'm trying to break it down so that when you go to do the ministry of reconciliation, you know how to do it. Hallelujah. So, we became enemies with God. And throughout the Old Testament, God was trying to find ways to bring man back to himself. He tried the blood of bulls and blood of cattle, blood of goats, blood of sheep and all that to try and, and cleanse and atone for our sins. Because the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. So, God tried by sending, killing animals, killing different animals for the blood. If you went into the, uh, the temple that uh, Moses built, was it a temple? It wasn't a temple, it was um, the tabernacle, isn't it? The tabernacle that he built, you have to go through a basin. The basin was a place where you clean your hand, symbolically. But that cleansing of hand was the cleansing by the blood to allow man to go through from the, uh, the outer court into the holy place. And when you go from the holy place to the, uh, the inner court, from the outer court to the inner court, you have to cleanse. From the inner court to the holy place, you have to cleanse. From the... Holy place to holy of holies, you still have to cleanse. Because at every point, you, man has so much sin. And that sin is not allowing man to be reconciled to God. Hallelujah. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So, God tried it and got to a point to realize that the only thing that can happen was to send his only son, himself, to come and pay the price once and for all. Because otherwise, that for 4,000 years, all the blood of different animals that had been used was not doing the trick. So he sent his son, amen, who came to die to pay the price for our sins so that we can be reconciled to God. And the Bible says that as many as believed. So even in the reconciliation that Jesus came to do, it was just for an exclusive club. Those who believed. Amen. So those who don't believe are still in the camp of the devil. Am I making sense? I'm trying to break Christianity to you. So you see, nobody is born a Christian in, the, in that context. Because you have to go through the cleansing. Like you go through the cleansing in the tabernacle 
to get into the next level. So you cannot come close to God without the cleansing of your hands. Amen. So until you come to accept God, Jesus, as your Lord and personal Savior, and I, I, I get to the place where you believe in his, what he came to do for us. Until we get to that place, we don't have any, we cannot partake in it, in his uh, fellowship with him. Am I making sense? So that, that, is, that is what Jesus came to do. And when he left, the Bible says that he left us. Go back to the verse 18. He left us with that same job. He came to the earth to reconcile man. Bible says that, and God commended his love towards us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. He died for us to cleanse us. And then, so he was the first minister of reconciliation. And when he left, he left us to continue the ministry of reconciliation. So Christians today, our job is to reconcile others. Amen. Is it simple enough? That's what, that's what Christianity is about. So if you are a Christian and for, for 12 months, 365 days, you have not reconciled one person to Christ. There is something wrong. Now, God, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. So if I give you a job and I pay you very well to do the job and for a whole year, you haven't done the job, and I'm still paying you. What do you think is happening? Or what do you think I, I, I should feel? Remember last week, the man had a banquet, and he wanted his house to be full. So he sent his servants. And then his servants went half-heartedly, and they came with excuses of the people. And he was not happy and sent them back out again. And they came back with just a few people. And he sent them out again. And then they came back. He said, now this time, go and even bring the people who you don't think deserve. Because I need my home, my house to be full. Amen. That's the ministry of reconciliation. Hallelujah. That's the ministry of reconciliation. See, the problem we have with the modern day Christianity is that this, simple, this type of simple gospel, we are, we are not preaching it. So now the gospel has become what your faith can get you. You understand? What your faith can get you, what your belief will do for you, what your uh, prayer and everything will buy you here on earth to have a comfortable life. That is what it is. And the main thing, which is the ministry of reconciliation, has been put in the back burner. Today, the least attended program in the church is not prayer. People attend a lot of prayer meetings because they know that they have problems and they need to pray. So prayer meetings are well attended. Even all night has become popular. 
Because we believe that we have so much problems. So many problems that we need to kill some demons. There are some places when they are going to church, they go with canes. Because they are going to cane the devil. There are some when they are going, they take imaginary machine guns. Some take machetes. Today the devil is in trouble. Because all the devils in my mother's house and my father's house must die. Something I get to a point, the pastor, the priest will say that it's time to shoot the devil. Then everybody go po 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 po. They start shooting. No. What you are supposed to do is join the ministry of reconciliation. Not to kill any devil. Hallelujah. Because many more are still enemies of God. Many more are walking in life with that tag of enmity between them and God. And they need to be reconciled. See, when um, Nelson Mandela tried to do this reconciliation thing, a lot of the people, the South African blacks, were not happy about that thing. Because they wanted that anger and that venom to still be there so that it will give them the reason to kill the oppressor. Amen. And some of the oppressors were also not happy because they wanted to bury their sins. They didn't want their sins to be remembered. They didn't want, in fact, majority of the people who perpetrated the atrocities of the apartheid left the country. And some changed their names because there were some notorious names that were associated with the, the they had a certain special squad that tortured people. Hallelujah. So when Mandela brought this reconciliation committee into existence, it stopped the anger. It pacified both parties. It, 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 it assuaded the fears of the white man and it also appeased the anger of the black man. Which word did you understand? Huh? <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, I, are you understanding what I'm saying? So the ministry, so if somebody asks, what is the ministry of reconciliation? It's very simple. You going out like Jesus came down. He became all things to all men. He went into Matt, uh, uh, Matthew, the tax collector's house. He went into the house of the, the ex-prostitute. He went with sinners. He was all over the place. He was not staying at one place. He was always going out to talk to people, to try. And You know Zacchaeus? Remember Zacchaeus, the tax collector? When he had an encounter with Zacchaeus and he reconciled Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus said that anything that I stole from any man, I'll pay back. He said, today, the kingdom of God has come to you. Today, you have been reconciled. Hallelujah. Are, are you understanding what I'm saying? And that is the job that he has given us. He didn't give us a church so that we'll come and be happy in it. 
He didn't give us a church so that we'll come all the time and come and dedicate our, our children, our marriages, and everything. All those things are side, side things. Here we are supposed to receive training to go and join the army of reconciliators. Am I talking to somebody? How many understand what I'm saying? We are supposed to join. So my question to us is that if you are a reconciliator and the whole year you haven't reconciled anybody, what do you think should be done to you? I'm not the one saying it, so don't look at me. <laughs> How many understand what I'm saying now? So that from today, it is not a, a convenient, when it's convenient, you witness. It's something that we must do. Because that's the ministry he has given us. Amen. How do we live as ministers of reconciliation? How do we live as ministers of reconciliation? Very simple. We have to follow what Jesus did. Amen. There's a, there's a scripture in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says that how Jesus, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about. He went about doing good. He went about. He didn't stay at one place. He was going about reconciling people. Doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Hallelujah. He went about. When Jesus was, was here, what he was doing was reconciling people. And you can't reconcile people only in one place. Amen. That, that is why I wrote the book, The Contagious Church. Because... The greatest disservice that ever happened to the church was the four walls. How many understand what I just said? The greatest, the, the greatest enemy of Christianity is the building that we are in. Today, the building is what marks how great and how powerful we have become. But that is wrong. Jesus was always at loggerheads with the Pharisees, with the scribes and the chief priests and the Sadducees and all that. Why? Because they just like to wear big, big gowns and big, big, and go to the temple and show people how, how religious they were. But he came and was going about. Christianity is about going about. It's not about staying in the building. We don't come and do Christianity in the church and then when we go home, we forget Christianity. No, no, no. Here is the place we come to be trained so that we go out there to reconcile others. Amen. Am I making sense? That's what Christianity is about. All the blessings we are getting from God is not because he just 
loves us so much that he wants to bless us and that's it. No, no, no. He's blessing us so that we can go and be a blessing to others. He's blessing us so that we can be able to share our testimony to others. He's blessing us so that we can be able to reconcile others to himself. That is why God is not sending any other Christian to your job. Because he has you there. If you are doing your job as a reconciliator, the people in that workplace will be reconciled to God. Hallelujah. If that person was doing their job in the classroom, as a Christian in that classroom, that the people in that classroom will receive God, they will be reconciled to God. Amen. Am I talking to somebody? Who understands what I'm trying to say? I think I'll, I'll give you the opportunity to ask questions if you have one. Because I believe this is a very important topic. You won't go to church and hear this type of messages. Hardly would you hear this type of messages being preached in the modern Christian church. Hallelujah. But that is the foundation of Christianity. Hallelujah. Every Christian is supposed to be a witness. Every Christian is supposed to be a witness for God. And if you are not witnessing and winning souls for Christ, then I question your Christianity. In the book, I say, can you have a code? And I come close to you. And I won't see that you have a code. No, when you have a code, I mean, maybe not so with us with a lot of melanin, but you can see the eyes are red. If the person is, is fair or is a white person, you see that their nose is red, they, then you can see there's a lot of phlegm, their eyes are bloodshot, and they are coughing and sneezing. Isn't that true? That shows that they are infected. And when you go close to them, what happens? You catch that. So if, we are in, if Christianity was a disease, if Christianity was a disease, how many people have you transmitted the disease to? Can I submit to you that there are two possibilities? Either you don't have the disease or the disease, the, the version of the disease you have is very, very weak. So it cannot be transmitted to anybody. Which, 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 which option do you want? <laughs> Joe has added one. He says that your immune system is very strong. Yeah, which means that the, wealth, the immune system, the wealth inside of you is stronger than the Christ inside of you. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? Christianity is not meant for the four walls. There are some of us, our mates don't know we are Christians. Because we live our Christianity in church. When we go home, nobody knows you're a Christian. I don't like this. <laughs> I wanted a lot of amens today, but I'm getting hmm. 
Hallelujah. We are supposed to be ambassadors for Christ. Can I give you four reasons why you must be a reconciliator, a minister of reconciliation? Number one, because you have to fear God. The reason why you have to become a reconciliator, number one, is because you have to have the fear of God. How many understand what I'm, I just said? Do you know that it is very, very, the Bible says that it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of God. It is very, very fear, frightening if God's wrath is turned on you or on me. Amen. If God's anger turns on us, it won't be a nice thing. How many remember the story in Acts chapter, uh, it started from 6, isn't it? 6, 7, when the disciples became so comfortable in Jerusalem that instead of going around to reconcile the world, they stopped in Jerusalem. Remember, he said, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the outermost part of the world. This is in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now, when they came together in Jerusalem and things started working, all those who were broke now and who were in debt, now their debts have been wiped away. All their, they all have money because the rich people sold their lands and brought it and they shared everything between everybody so that there was no poor person in the church. Everybody was cool. Everybody was okay. So what happened? Now people are comfortable. They love to be in church. Everything is working in church. Everybody has a car. Everybody has a house. Everybody is, is okay. So they love to stay. And God says, okay, if that's the case and you will not go, I will send persecution. Persecution started coming. They started arresting. They started killing Immediately, these people started running. They started running to go and preach. Hallelujah. So the first reason why you and I must go is because God, you see, God hasn't changed though. We think God has changed. The God in the Bible is still the God today. If he was angry with the early apostles for not leaving Jerusalem to preach the gospel, do you think he will not be angry with you and I? For a whole year, we haven't preached to one person. You don't like my message. Oh. The, the pastors are smiling. <laughs> I don't know what it means. <laughs> but that's the truth. Hallelujah. If we don't go, something bad can happen to us. If we don't tell others, something can happen to us. Amen. We need to tell others. Amen. We must wear while it is day spreading the word of God Till it reaches the other world. 
willing to do his will. Amen. We, 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 must, we must spread the word. We must witness to everyone we meet, everyone we see. We must tell the world the soon coming King. We must share the word, tell others about Christ. Sometimes we cannot do it, so we invite them to come to church so that the preacher will do it. But at least we have still done the reconciliation. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have a friend, you cannot preach to them, you cannot tell them the word, but bring them to church and let the preacher man tell them so that they'll also be reconciled to Christ. That is still part of the work. But if you don't do it, then something has to come and make us do it. In the, in the uh, time of Acts chapter, uh, chapter 8, that, thereabout, it was persecution. In our time, I don't know what it will be. Amen. But he says that we don't do this out of fun. We do it as if we are afraid. Isn't, did you read that? We started, look, go back to the scripture. Second Corinthians Verse 11, chapter 5, verse 11. Since then, we know what it is to fear the law. We try to persuade others. Amen. We are doing it because we are afraid that a terror can come. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Amen. So the first reason why we do it is because we have a, a reverential fear of God. Amen. Number two, for the love of Christ. But we, we are well known to God. And I also trust we are well known to your conscience. And then he goes on to say, we are trying, we are not trying to recommend ourselves to you again. But we want an opportunity so that, our, so that we, the love of Christ has compelled us to preach. Verse, verse um, 14 says, the love of God, because we love God. We love Christ. We are doing the work that he gave us to do. Amen. How many know that the most important thing that any important person will tell you is what they tell you before they leave? Isn't that right? If your father is about to die and he calls you and he says, sit down. I have some important things to tell you before I go. You don't joke with those type of, you understand? You don't pick your phone and go on, uh, what do you call it, YouTube, or you are checking your social media. Knowing that the man is about to take his last breath and he's talking to you. The instruction he gives you is the most important thing. Amen. And if you love your father and he's giving his most important instruction, you won't take it for granted. You will do it because you love him. Amen. He said, go into the world and make disciples of me. That was the last words Jesus said to you and I. Hallelujah. 
So the third one is that we need to obey the Great Commission. The Ministry of Reconciliation is because we need to obey the reconciliation. Number four, the fourth reason is because this is our time. The Moses and the Abrahams and the Pauls and Peters, they've done their bit and they have gone. Isn't that true? Remember the rich man who was in hell and he lifted his eyes and saw Father Abraham and he said, send Lazarus to cool my tongue. He said, no, no, they have the prophets. They have the priests. Let them hear them. He said, no, no, if somebody goes from the dead to my brothers, they will listen. No. If they don't hear Moses, they don't hear the prophets, the pastors they have today, they will not hear somebody who comes from the dead. Who are the Moses today alive? You and I. Amen. So we need to preach the gospel to somebody. Amen. I say this is our time. We need to preach the gospel. Oh, I'm not getting anybody to say amen. It's our time. There's no other Jesus in your area than you. You are the Jesus that they need to see. If you don't open your mouth, they will not see Jesus. When you sit on the bus, the person sitting next to you, the only Jesus they will meet is you. Hallelujah. Hey, today the amens are very, very, very sparse. Wow. It's okay. I, I can deal with it. Let me give you like five or six practical ways of doing this work of ministry. Number one, evangelism. Practically, evangelism. That is why if you are a shepherd, you are a leader of any group, one of the things you must love for your members to do is evangelism. Hallelujah. One of the things you must love for your members, you are a leader of any chapel, you are a leader of any group in the church, one of the most, the fundamental thing you must do, don't wait for Pastor Sam to come and say that you, are, you have to go on evangelism before you go. No, no. Organize your people and go on evangelism. That's the most practical way of becoming a minister of reconciliation. Amen. And number two, practically, you can minister when, instead of sharing silly jokes on social media and being political and all those type of things. Why don't you put the word of God on your social media status? Why don't you become a minister of reconciliation via social media? Instead of minister of politics or minister of jokes. I have, I have friends who, it's all the silly jokes, the, what do you call it, X-rated type of jokes that they share. No, or the one who's always, people are dancing or fooling, that, that's the one you share. How many know what I'm talking about? Number three, but your lifestyle, the lifestyle of generosity is also a lifestyle that shows Christ in you. Amen. You know that nobody cares what you know until they see your heart, how generous your heart is. 
How many understand what I just said? If you are generous, people will stop and listen to what you have to say. Amen. Number. Sorry? Number four. Share the scripture you know with others. Share the word of God. Amen. Somebody needs encouragement. Somebody needs a word of encouragement. How many know that it doesn't matter the, how um, backslidden you are, how unbelieving you are, when you are going through crisis and somebody shares something, the word of God, something uh, from the Bible to you, you feel comforted. Even if you don't believe, in the word of God, and maybe you are going through a bereavement or something, and somebody shares a scripture of comfort, a scripture of encouragement, you feel encouraged by it. Amen. That's part of the ministry of reconciliation. Remember, they are coming from the enemy territory. So they need that, the, the, the hardness to be broken so that they become gradually reconciled. Amen. Number... Number five, listening. Part of the reconciliation that uh, Nelson Mandela and co were doing was just to listen to people's testimonies and their stories. Because listening is part of healing. How many know that? When somebody has been through something, as you allow them to talk and um, relive the, the moment and talk about what they've been through, as you allow them to talk and ex- uh, bring their experiences and their testimony, it, it heals them. Amen. Sometimes all somebody needs is, to, is for you to sit so that they speak. It's not every time you must have a lot of medicine to give. Sometimes the medicine is just sitting and listening. Amen. How many have we gotten so far? Hey, number one was what? Number two? Number three? Sorry? Number four? Number five? Listening. Number six, hospitality. Be hospitable. It's also a, 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 a message that is preached when you are hospitable. How many know that? When Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan, it was a parable of hospitality. And that hospitality, I'm sure it, that Samaritan who was, was reconciled to God, because if a Samaritan who's supposed to be an enemy of Christ has had, has has come to the aid of this Jew who has fallen in the midst of thieves and looked after them. I, I, I'm sure that those two become friends. How many know what I'm talking about? The man who was who who was uh, uh, looked after will find this man who did who looked after him. 
to say thank you at least. Isn't that true? And they may become friends. So sometimes hospitality is just one, the only thing you need to do when you are generous and hospitable. Whatever you have to say, somebody will listen. Amen. I think I've given you enough for today. What do you think? How many have we got? Six. Let's make it seven. Let's make it seven. So number seven, practical way of being a minister of reconciliation is to speak to them about Christ. We talked about that, isn't it? Is to share your testimony. The next one, the last one, number seven, is to share your testimony. How many know that your life is the greatest message? How many know that? Your life is the greatest message. Oh, how many will agree that you are a living miracle? Only three people. We are all te- a testimony waiting. The la- last, is it, uh, last week, Friday, myself, Pastor Gloria, shared this little testimony. How many were convicted by it? Yeah. Yeah. Your story is also something that will convict somebody. Your story. When you share your story, somebody's life will be changed because of your story. That is why it's very selfish not to share your testimony. How many know that a lot of people don't share their testimony because they don't want their debts out there? But it is your, the debt out there that will, it has the power to transform because people can empathize. If God can touch somebody like you, then God can touch me too. Oh, I used to smoke weed. I used to do this, I used to do that, I used to do this, I was an arm robber. <laughs> How many understand what I'm trying to say? And look at me now. My little gambling is not too bad. Hallelujah. I pray that you and I are going to become ministers of reconciliation. Stand to your feet.